The views on this podcast are only the views of the people expressing them, even though they're right, you fuckers. Oh yeah, we also curse. This is We All Have an X Chromosome. My name is Bill, and this is my partner, Noel. Well, partner in podcasting, anyway. I'm going to say all those things that we say at the beginning of every episode. The like, like, subscribe, rate, review. That is literally where you can tell us where your favorite di- what your favorite dinosaur is, because we don't really care about feedback on those things. If you have feedback, please email us. That'll be in the show notes. Write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. And Bill has it memorized. I don't have any room. I still have Jeopardy answers that I need to purge. Well, you say what we have, and I will give the address. Okay. Uh, We are also on Patreon. Patreon. Patreon is www.patreon.com forward slash xchromosomepodcast. Okay. We are also... We have a Twitter, but we don't really use it for anything, so... I mean, you don't have to add us, but you can also add us at X Chromosome Pod. I'm the one that's basically the one that's on the tweet machine, so I'm hoping to find out more things to talk about. Yeah, I generally run our Facebook page, which is, I had it up just a second ago. You can search for uh, We All Have an X Chromosome. And Which, at we all have an X chromosome, all squished together, no fun characters. Um, I rant on there a lot. Yes, Tons and, of micro rants. And when she is not ranting because she gets banned from Facebook, she's like, "Bill, put put this on the Facebook, and this on the Facebook, and this on the Facebook." Yeah, apparently I say things that are upsetting to people, and by people I mean very very fragile masculine types and i make them cry and for that i get put in facebook jail and yep and i also drop the band hammer down really quickly so um it's a it's a safe space of sorts feel free to have normal discussion and debate no problems there but when you're trolling to troll uh uh-uh goodbye i have no patience for that shit We are here for discussion. We are here for getting tagged in things that you want us to talk about. It'll help us generate topics. If you're out on the Book of Face and you find some weird fuckery that, you know, needs some feminism dropped all over it, please tag the show so we can find it later. And, And same thing, honestly, with the Twitter, because I've been trying to at least keep up with Twitter just to see about... I've been following the various things... They're important, like GLAD, NAACP, uh, Trevor Project. Links uh, links and organizations that are useful to us and our listener base. 
Yes, um, exactly. We're sort of building an organic pathfinder to resources and, you know, and, and information. And as we put these links up for the various organizations and resources, I've been putting them up on our website, xchromosomepodcast.com, where Noel might do the micro rants and possibly the live rants, but I blog the shit out of that website. Yeah, he does. I do have some blog posts planned. I just need to have a hot minute when my world is not collapsing to write them. There'll be some interesting things like the actual meaning of the word politically correct. It doesn't mean what you think it means. And everything hits the Patreon first before it hits the website. Make sure you get everything set up and checked out and help us make this podcast a better place for everybody. This week's guest is Renee Ritchie, who is a freelance uh, game writer, uh, the RPGs. She has worked with Onyx Path and By Night Studios. And she is also a feminist who says fuck a lot. So she's perfect. Hello, everybody. Hola. Now, me and Noelle have known... We actually, Me and Noelle actually met through Renee. Yes, it's all her fault that this podcast exists. I will totally take credit for that. I mean, don't take credit for it until we actually have accomplished something with it, because right now it's two episodes and a bunch of hysterical flailing. That no one can see because it's audio. I mean, that is true. That's why I tend to prefer all of my gaming in a text format far, far away from other people, so that when I have hysterical breakdowns, nobody sees it. It's okay. I get anxious running events, but I love being the hostess for gaming environments, as you both have noticed girl um, same since since you're both in my game um, then you notice that i like making sure everybody gets cookies and everything is great and the things that you don't know is that i'm constantly an anxious ball of nerves and possibly drunk if we're doing a big set piece because it's the only way i can cope <laughs> I, I have been there, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, at my most recent LARP uh, last weekend, I was impromptu hostess. Like, Oh, no! Oh, yeah. I got about three okay. days warning, which is... That sucks. Which is enough for me because I've got a bunch of the stuff already, you know, set ahead of time. But at the same time, it's like, fuck. Okay, y'all are going to have really nice decor, and I'm going to just sit here and, you know, lounge and be scene queen, and y'all are going to cope with that, and the STs can handle the rest. Yeah, sometimes that's all you need, is somebody to be in charge, in the presence of everybody else, and that works really well. Um, you have a lot of presence. Why, thank you. Look, I've only known you for a year. Two. Eh, a year and a half. I want to say we actually met about April or May of 2017, because that was before the uh, Game Chronicle started that actually had us in um, heavy contact with each other. And it is, in fact, no, March. That, oh, of course you went and looked it up. Okay, then two years. But that's still not a whole lot of time. But I have observed you quite a bit, because I'm an internet stalker. Well, at least you admit it. So let's go through and get with the actual topics at hand, because we have topics. We, we do have topics. So we will start with the bi-weekly audio rage 
That is Noel. Okay. Are you Noel. sure you don't want to go first because yours is squishy and mine is horrible? You want to just okay. you know you, you want to give him a break. All right, let's go. Let's go with the squishiness. Yeah. All right, because this is squishy just like me. Um, and let's me. go through. Uh, we're we all, are squishy. all squishy. <laughs> we all um, have an X that... chromosome, and we are all squishy. <laughs> that will be on a T-shirt. We are all squishy. <laughs> um, I want to talk about female representation in things that are generally a male-dominated format. Many people paying attention on the news before Captain Marvel came out. There was a bunch of trolls trying to already bring the numbers down on Rotten Tomatoes over the Captain Marvel movie. Now, I am the one with all the feels on this podcast, and things have been happening in regards to the open, openings and things of that nature. One, first of all, Captain Marvel basically, like, destroyed the box office, and it's open. The but, number but, of you... memes I have seen about Captain Marvel tops box office... And the various responses of, I am jealous of the box office. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, 500 million today. I have a friend who writes movie reviews uh, for Forbes magazine. So you should follow the ticket booth at Forbes because he's awesome um, and writes very insightful shit. But he's been very pleased about Captain Marvel and had to write today that, yeah, it's smashing records yep 18th biggest opening weekend of all time ninth biggest comic book superhero debut of all time six busy six biggest domestic debut for a female-led movie uh this is from uh this is from yesterday because i'm looking at a forbes article from yesterday um fourth biggest superhero launch ever in china fourth biggest domestic opening for a Samuel L. Jackson movie. These are just some things Motherfucker! That, uh... <laughs> Motherfucker! I need to cite some of these stats, because somebody did all the stats for me. Thank you, Scott Mendelson. You don't even listen to all the right. podcast, but I'm shouting you out. Um... Fourth biggest pre-summer debut ever. Fourth biggest, or third biggest, domestic debut for a non-sequel. Mm -hmm. Biggest IMAX global launch for a non-sequel. Uh, biggest opening weekend for a female-directed feature. Um, so this went through and defeated Wonder Woman. Biggest domestic debut for a female-led comic book superhero movie. Biggest overseas debut for a female-led movie. The list goes on and on. Oh, um, and the, the most important one, and I'm sorry, Black Panther... Biggest opening weekend for a movie starring a cat. Technically not a cat. <laughs> but um, as, of the, as of this article titled Captain Marvel, the box office records it broke or almost broke in its 156 million debut uh, of March 11th, 2019. That's what I'm looking at Okay, right now. again, this is from Forbes. <laughs> it's the... Uh, in three days, it was the 57th biggest comic book movie and 58th biggest superhero movie in North America. It will be in the top 50 by the end. Um, even a 190 million seven-day total and a 55% drop in weekend two 
to 69 million of I guess 69 million would give the film a 10 day cumulative just over under the 259 million total of Captain America the Winter Soldier which everybody seems to think is the best Captain America movie. Um so wrong. Eh, I have opinions. Even merely okay legs, like Hunger Games levels, should push Captain Marvel just over the 408,413,000,000 cubes of Captain America Civil War, Iron Man 3, and Wonder Woman. Legs closer to Civil War and Iron Man 3 still gets the movie to around 355 million domestic. So suck it, haters. You can't kill it. It's too late. But this is just the props that the movie has had. But the things that have gone through and made Bill feel feels um, had to do with Brie Larson and um, the little girls dressed up like Captain Marvel um, that have interviewed her through the opening setup. There was um, a video, and I think I posted this to the Facebook, I'll repost it in the link here, but um, at the UK premiere of Captain Marvel, there was a little girl dressed as Captain Marvel interviews, interviewing uh, Brie Larson on the, um, the red, carpet. red carpet. This precious tiny little bab. Yep. Precious, Do I need tiny. to talk because you're um, crying? <laughs> okay, yes. see, this is, why, this is why there is a soulless harpy involved with this show. Uh. She went through and... Um, was asking Brie what her supervirus were. <laughs> Do you need help? <laughs> I I I want to say I weep over the stupidest shit, but this isn't stupid shit. <laughs> what this is-, is not stupid shit at all, and you and- are totally okay to weep over it. Feeling your feelings okay is totally to feel a thing feelings. that everyone can do. It is okay to feel feelings. Um, I haven't watched. And the honestly. Honestly, I'm taking a look at some of these things, and there may be people who dismiss it as, you know, obvious cheap publicity stunts. But you know what? When those obvious cheap publicity stunts are actually giving people hope and are, in fact, you know, doing the right thing, it's kind of hard to shit on that, you know? Exactly. Um, anyway, the video is going to be posted in the comments. Um, Bill can't talk about that particular thing because it's making him it's making him cry just thinking about it. <laughs> um, but it was a nice moment on the red carpet, and it shows importance of these type of things for young women and any and young feminines out there to have these type of role models in this type of industry. That's absolutely right, yeah. Um, You saw some of this coming off the heels of Black Panther last year, too. Um, Representation matters. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Women in strong superhero roles, women in super genius roles with a lot to contribute, which, you know, makes a big, dopey male superhero actually be able to use his big dopiness for good. Um... I love you, T'Challa. You're not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And to continue on to this track, um, recently, because I follow Twitter, and uh, I'm following Twitter, and I'm 
pulling up some things about, um, and I'm a wrestling fan, so I've been following the thing that we spoke about with Kofi Kingston, but as a wrestling fan, I'm also a fan of a lot of the women. Honestly, right now, women's wrestling is what's keeping me invested in paying attention to wrestling. And there are people, there are girls out there that are seeing, like, now they're treating, they've been treating the past couple of years the women's wrestling like actual athletes and not just eye candy. And because of recent events in the past few months, um, there has been a female wrestler, Becky Lynch, who has just taken over the popularity of the WWE. Um, she's always been a fan favorite, but now it's like she's getting pushed. She's like getting pushed to superstardom to the point that for the first time ever, it looks like that women's wrestling is going to actually be the main event of WrestleMania. And because of these women, uh, not just only Becky Lynch, but Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, uh, Bailey, uh, uh, Tamina, uh, uh, Nia Jax, Tamina, uh, Beth Phoenix, those are three women of um, size, um, basically f taking over where China used to be a part of with the WWE. Now that they have these w female athletes, uh, basically they're tearing the house down and the men are actually having to keep up for a change. And I've been seeing reports and things of that nature of like uh, students telling they're doing projects on these wrestlers, talking about how it's causing them to um, be more confident fight for what they believe in, things of that nature. Um, it's a big change from the old TNA version of the WWE, and it's and wrestling is a male-dominated fandom, unfortunately. Um, and more of these better representation of female wrestling in regards to everything is also helping to bring more eyes to the product that normally you wouldn't see. And this is not just like the Total Divas TV show either. This is the athletes that constantly are on the road taking bumps, uh, basically beating the crap out of each other just for the entertainment purpose. And it's going to help bring on, hopefully, a better, a better, um, a better viewership and more involvement with hopefully more females involved and hopefully help clear up a bit of the toxic masculinity that sometimes will affect just the wrestling fandom. Sorry, you said the hateful words. The things that the thing that ruins everything forever. But yeah. Toxic masculinity does infect everything. It infects comic books. The primary audience is the little girl who interviewed her and all the other little girls who got to see another woman having agency and being heroic. Her Gal Gadot and Lupita Nyong'o and Danny Girana. I'm butchering your names and I'm so sorry, ladies. You're amazing. And uh, Letitia Wright. 
these women are so important. And then for those of us on the, this podcast who are older and thus rabid Princess Bride fans, seeing Robin Wright come into her own in Wonder Woman was amazing. And seeing um, Leia even is, I'm going to cry a whole bunch because um, Carrie Fisher is kind of a big deal to me. Um, but seeing God bless the, Space Mom. Seeing the progression of that character, I posted on a friend's uh, Facebook feed. It was a discussion about how there's too much Anakin in Leia, and she's what Anakin should have been. If they had done it right, Anakin would have been everything that Leia Organa became. But she learned to master her emotions, to not suppress them, to not then, because they are suppressed, let them rule her. Yes, she was angry. Yes, she's technically using her emotions to fuel herself, which makes her Sith. That is the Sith way of accessing the Force, is through your emotion, is through your connection to and mastery of your emotions. She's technically a Sith, but she's the best sort. Anger is not a problem, unless you use it wrongly. Righteous wrath in the face of injustice is a good thing. Um, and between my theory for the film, we're getting into some conspiracy shit, is that between Ray studying with Luke, whatever planet that is, I don't remember, and working with Leia, she will be the synthesis of that Sith-like accessing the Force, because Rey uses her emotions to fuel her as well. She'll learn to temper them because of her training from Luke, and she'll be the synthesis of both philosophies, and she will be the balance that was supposed to be brought to the Force. I find it kind of fascinating that with all of the previous Star Wars movies, you see a lot of back and forth between the duality of the Sith and the Jedi, but it's really the direction that this final trilogy is taking, where it's basically the women who are mostly in charge yeah, here, I finally saying, no, we've had it with your dualist bullshit, and we're going to basically blaze our own trail. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. And a lot of the backlash that we've been seeing just with Captain Marvel, you saw a lot of it with Jedi. the release of uh, The Force Awakens as well. Oh. And even just, you know, yeah. But just even talking about who was what the story was going to be for the force awakens before it even opened while it was still even in production people were sh like shooting on it and trying to shoot it down because there was a female presenting protagonist and i just want to bring up one more thing in regards to the um captain marvel that captain marvel movie and it's about supporting each other when with captain marvel opening up everything People were immediately trying to pit the whole Captain Marvel versus Wonder Woman together. Um, oh my god. Immediately, pretty much afterwards, Gail Gadot goes through and um, she put, gives a shout out to Brie Larson about how great everything is going for Captain Marvel. Patty Jenkins, this is the director of Wonder Woman, gives a shout out again to Brie Larson because of the Captain Marvel. You have women supporting other women in regards to this type of thing, and everybody needs to go through and support this type of represent representation. 
these women are basically not giving a shit about what anybody else thinks. They are there to support each other, and this is a good thing. It's like women competing against other women is just a manifestation of da da toxic masculinity. When we stop giving a shit about what men think, we suddenly discover that we like each other, and that any any difficulties we might have had were placed upon us by the patriarchy in order to keep us divided and keep us divided. Um, so the faster we can free ourselves, then we can get to pulling everybody else out of the system because if half of what supports the system disappears, it will collapse. But we've got so much work. All right. And it's, it's frustrating. But I suppose we should go into the whole righteous wrath being a good yeah, thing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the squishy time is over. Okay. Um, this... When I shared this story as a possible thing that I was going to be super duper angry about, uh, Renee was very rightly, what the fuck? Because um, it is some serious fucking shit. Now, it yeah. is some shit. And it's, this is not the only place it's happening. So wherever you live in, in the nation, be aware that cops aren't our friends. And that any one of them could be this shitty. Uh, so verify over and over again. As some of you know, and as the rest of you are soon to learn, I live in central Ohio. So the, the nearest big city to my humble dwelling and podcasting lair is Columbus. This week, Columbus officer Andrew Mitchell was um, indicted on federal charges um, of depriving victims of their constitutional rights by kidnapping victims under the guise of an arrest and forcing them to engage for sex in sex for their freedom. So he was kidnapping and raping people with his badge. Girl. With his badge. Literally the opposite of his job. And other cops had to know about it and let him get away with it. He first came to the to my attention, courtesy of the Columbus Murderinos group. Um, we all like the podcast My Favorite Murder, and we talk about local bullshit, you know, try to be supportive of victims' rights and all that kind of good stuff together and support each other when shitty stuff happens. Uh, because cops suck at believing women. Spoilers. Again, they're not our friends. Unless you are or appear to be straight, white, and male, the cops don't give a fuck about you. They might not know they don't give a fuck about you and think, no, no, we really do care. But you, the system is set up so that they can't care. Which sucks, because that makes makes good cops complicit in this bullshit. Um, but the case, I, I don't know if they reference it in this article, but I saw it in a different, oh, it was in the Columbus Dispatch today when they talked about it. The charges were filed in federal court yesterday afternoon. That would be Monday, March 11th, in case you are from the future and listening to this piece of the past. Um, witness, he's also accused of multiple counts of witness tampering and making false arrests. He is a 30-year veteran of the Columbus Police Force. I guess they can't take those away from him. This isn't the NCAA. They can't just vacate his record and make him not exist. 
Um, he is under investigation for the shooting death of Donald Castleberry, a.k.a. Donna Dalton, on August 23rd, 2018, during an alleged prostitution sting. This is where he came into my awareness because my entire Facebook group that's based on lovers of true crime were pissed. Because one, sex work is, sex work is honest work. Don't fucking treat people as less just because they have a job that society has told you is not valuable or criminal or dirty or immoral. All of those are constructs and not necessarily true. And two, he shot her multiple times for stabbing him in the hand. They were in his car. The car was pulled against, or the, the passenger door was up against a wall. She couldn't get out unless she went past him. She died for telling him no. This has to stop. It's just bullshit. She was... She was 23. And he killed her because she wouldn't screw him. And she was scared and wanted to live. And she wanted to get out of that car. I... She's just one case. But this is one case I can be angry about immediately we've also had a woman go missing when it was really cold but she's been missing for over a month the last they knew she was fighting with her boyfriend they found her car they found her stuff they haven't found her they haven't been able to drag the river because the weather has been bad and the water's been too rough but she was an activist and i i will find her name and we will put it in the show notes or we will record extra so that she can be properly um recognized for all of her work for um, March for Our Lives Columbus and all of the other groups that she's touched. She was trying to make a difference. And she's gone. Yeah, maybe we should have saved the Captain Marvel shit for after the heavy stuff. But... Yeah. But this this is just one example of many instances of this kind of crap that has occurred around the country and around the world. Sex workers getting harassed, injured, and murdered by police just for trying to do their jobs and trying to do their jobs in the safest way they possibly can. And with legislation like SESTA-FOSTA coming through, it basically takes away those tools for them to protect themselves. And street prostitution is now on the rise. There were news articles about this specifically around San Francisco. And there are a lot of women at risk. And actually, not just women, sex workers of any gender. It's not okay. And I know you did some protesting against uh, FOSTA, SESTA. Yes. Yes, I did. When it was first brought forward, I actually marched in a protest in Oakland with lots of people of various genders and sexualities coming out in support of sex work as honest work, as real work, and as people who should be protected because of the kind of labor that they provide. A lot of people don't even really think about the implications that come from sex work, especially when you're dealing with people face-to-face. If you're working with a live client, they are putting a lot of trust in you. You are doing a lot of emotional labor on their behalf and not just any, that's just beyond any sort of physical contact that you may have with them. And and for folks who aren't doing live work, you're putting a part of yourself out there that is not normally expected to be seen. It's putting yourself in a very vulnerable position 
specifically for other people's entertainment or emotional needs. You can you could probably speak a little bit more about this than I can. There is a lot of emotional labor that goes into connecting with somebody about their sexuality. There is a lot of trust. There is a lot of vulnerability. I know enough people that should that become an avenue that gets explored in my general life or in the lives of somebody I care about where there is face-to-face contact. I have people I know I can send or have nearby so that people remain safe. You shouldn't have to worry about being safe going to work. It doesn't matter what you do. I consume everything in terms of media. I like knowing things and I like reading about people's lives. I found recently this week a disabled feminism on Facebook and I started following them. And one of the things that attracted my attention was an article about how people on social security disability who don't make enough were using sex work as a way to just keep a roof over their heads uh, because it was work that they could use around their schedule and around their pain levels and around their ability. It's one of the few jobs where you can make your own schedule. And if you can't work that day, no one's going to fire you because you're your boss. It's a job where there's always going to be a demand for the labor involved, but they're having, they're having to take more risks. And these are already vulnerable beyond the normal because they have mobility issues. They have other multipliers on the shit cake of stuff they have to deal with just to get through the day chronic pain, all of these other things, to have the law tell them, we're taking away everything that you were using to survive and be safe because fuck you, is infuriating. I have a little little sidebar rant about the NFL. I don't know if I covered that, mm. but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell about it again if I did. Fuck Robert Kraft, he's a rapist. Yeah, I have I have my own rant about that too. I'm, I'm sure it's... It, it's just variations on the theme of he's a rapist. We need to stop talking about trafficked women in the same terms that we talk about willing participants in sex work because they're two completely different things. And the conflation of the two ideas is why lawmakers make stupid laws because they don't actually talk to real people. You know, it's like with these... Uh, politicians that keep on saying we're going to send AOC back to waitressing. We need more waitresses. We need more actual people in government that know what's going on with actual people, not just the rich. Yes. Absolutely. It was a recent tweet um, AOC went through and mentioned. It's like, look, you say, send me back to waitressing like it's a bad thing. We're, we're politicians. We're in government to serve. It's so refreshing that there is uh, somebody in Congress that gets it and gets it on an organic level the way Representative Ocasio-Cortez does. I've never felt represented until she got elected. She's not even, she's not even my representative. I my. House representative is a piece of shit, and I don't care if he hears it from me. Um, I would call him directly and tell him what a piece of shit he is, except he never answers his phone because he's a Republican. 
Gotta represent me too, asshole. I am actually more than a little tickled at the fact that there are so many Republican lawmakers out there that are literally terrified of answering the phone because people are realizing exactly what's going on and they're not happy. A lot of people who are lower class who've been voting Republican for generations are literally seeing oh shit, these people don't actually represent my interests. What the actual fuck? Of course, in a lot of those cases, sometimes it actually takes them being directly injured and their bottom line being hurt for them to see that. But I am glad that it is being seen. It sucks that it has to be seen in this way, but I am glad that there is now more of an outcry against shit that these assholes have been trying to peddle for generations. And I'm and I'm fully aware of the whole platform switch between the Democrats and the Republicans in the 60s or the 70s. But that same conservative mindset that has literally just been trying to shit on people, just trying to get by, I am glad to watch that crumble. It needs to die. And I am saying this as a tech worker who gets paid ridiculously well for what I do. I want to pay more taxes to help people who are not making as much as me. I want there to be a universal basic income so people can leave abusive situations in the workplace and not be afraid that they can't eat. I want people to be able to feed their families. I am more than okay with taking a hit on my income to make that happen. I just want my patients to not be afraid of having to make a choice. And I get that some people don't have empathy or have trouble processing emotion. That's fine. This is to the point of malice, though. Yes, this is not a lack of understanding. This is deliberately to hurt. And I don't understand that. I don't understand how, because these are the people that say, oh, it, it took, I don't know, knowing someone, my daughter, my family member, having this thing, being this identity, to make me understand that these were people. They all have grandparents and parents. If it, if they need to know someone, there they are. They are the benefit. The people in power who are maliciously harming the marginalized are literally the beneficiaries of everything they are against. The, the marginal tax rates, the caps on profits on medication, living wage. They wouldn't be in Congress if there hadn't been people two or three generations ago working at a gas station and getting cheap college. Yup. Let's try to get a little bit of a... Before we go on to anything that we want to question with Renee, um, a question for Renee that's on a lighter topic for work that I know that she may have been working on. Um, Changeling. Yes. So this is the new big deal that's been uh, brought up especially in um, certain LARP circles. Yes, there's been a demand and a desire for new LARP rules for changing the dreaming for some time now. Um, as a matter of fact, in internal discussions that I have no problem disclosing now, Changeling came as a surprising forerunner for what to do after Vampire and Werewolf. And we were like, okay, we'll do that. Also because Mage is just too fucking hard to deal with in a LARP setting. <laughs> <laughs>
That said, to the credit of Matt Webb out at Jackalope Studios, he's he's got some wireframe for some things, and it might actually make mage LARPing viable and feasible. So I'm really I'm looking at that with great interest. You mean we can't just throw little beanbags at each other? Not everybody is physically able for that. <laughs> and some hotels don't really like the idea of projectiles being thrown in the hallways either. Projectiles filled with birdseed work great for outdoor LARP settings. For indoor LARP settings, not so much. That silence is my little brain going, but you can get little pellets, little plastic pellets and balloons at the craft store. And theoretically, those are slightly more durable. So I have a story about a Nerf LARP that I'm in, and it's in an indoor setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they specifically have specialized equipment to pick up the thousands of nerf rounds that go forward in any sort of combat situation when you have 20 people shooting at each other. I'm not entirely sure that every single LARP that would be willing to attempt this would have the forethought to do such a thing or the budget. I mean, LARPers are are not exactly um, affluent people in general. Until you drop them into an auction. And that money is going towards charity, so that ends up being a tax credit yeah. anyway. It, it's Also, it's different when you're helping other people. Um, it's easier to throw down a bid in a silent auction than it is to justify buying an extra bird that you need to sweep up all of your nerf, your nerf rounds. Yeah. That said... Like I said, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that's going to pan out. But that is something entirely different to what I'm working on currently. It should be interesting. Um, You're highly intelligent. You have an intuitive grasp just from all of the stuff that you and I have talked about and kicked around and writings of yours that I have observed in the past. You have a very intuitive grasp of how mechanics should work. And you are a ferocious advocate for. safe, sane, consensual LARPing. Um, Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I used three words that are going to super upset some people, but role-playing is role-playing no matter where it happens. Oh, no. Let's... uh, I'm going to be right up front and say it. The things that I learned and that taught me the most about how to LARP well, I learned from BDSM. I'm just going to straight up say it. There have been so many comparisons to the two activities in the past that it's you might as well just say it. If you also look at a lot of the Nordic style and freeform LARPs with a lot of those consent-based mechanics and negotiations that happen, as opposed to, you know, looking at numbers on a sheet or throwing rock, paper, scissors, I'm not or checking or opening a dice app. No, uh, let me finish. <laughs> yeah. It is very clear that these organizers have some sort of grasp of BDSM as well, just from the consent negotiation. Well, it's just a lot basic. of LARPers are really kinky fuckers, and it's great. I mean, yes, I, we're dressing up and playing pretend beat up on each other. We're just not allowed to hit, um, unless you're in a boffer LARP, and then you are a super kinky motherfucker because you are signing up to hit and get hit, and you love it. And even then, that's lightest touch, which. Not all BDSM scenes are. Let's be, let's be frank. Let's let's discuss um, the the uh, 
is an entirely different semantic conversation. <laughs> yes, and lightest touch doesn't necessarily mean they're going to register the tap. Some people just want to get hit in uh, LARPing. And I was briefly involved in the SCA. There's some overlap between Balfour LARP and SCA LARP and Dagger Hair and... Amp Guard and Dystopia Rising and all that your stuff. local kink club. Um. Yeah, you, you'll, you get involved in all of them, you're going to see a lot of the same people. But that's cool. Um, it's good to have overlapping oh, interests. Yeah. But the the things, I have been a community manager of varying degrees since 2008 so you know a while now and a lot of things i've learned about being a good leader and being a good rp or come from shitty experiences i've had in the online rp community in everquest 2 every rule i have written i have looked at over and over again thought do i need to change it do we need to reword it and I, we haven't changed it since I wrote them in maybe 2005 for another thing. And I went, I'm just going to copy paste these because I'm lazy and they're sensible. And there, there's a lot of overlap in the rules that you have written that I've seen in other games. And on a funny note, compared to that, the folks at Jackalope have another rule, which is don't make us make another rule. Because if it's they do something, you do something that is not okay that it that is not covered in their current rule set they will make a rule for you and they will name it after you and there will be a highly unflattering story because of it yes and we'll see that's not quite as far as i would go not only would i be this is the you're a fucking asshole name name and here's why this rule exists story it's this specific person is never allowed here again they found a way to break the rule so they made me make a new rule they're not allowed in my sandbox anymore. Oh, that usually happened as part of it too. Okay, as long as that was a part of it, because I am. Oh yeah, I am a very firm believer in the bad ha ban hammer, and of policing the out of character community. I know I'm using some scary words, but and and I just had a rant the other day about how you can't treat human, you can't treat players like NPCs. We're all the player character in our own adventure story. But in everybody else's story, we are non-player characters because they don't have direct control over us. Yep. But you need to acknowledge that your story and my story have a point where they meet. And that contact point needs to be managed, needs to be negotiated, and there needs to be constant out-of-character conversation. You need to know that person. There needs to be a foundation of trust. Yes, and this is where you stop wondering, are we talking about gaming or are we talking about kink? Because it's the same thing. And sometimes there's just character sheets involved. There's always sheets involved. Sometimes they have numbers on them. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm stealing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Your gift for being on the podcast is something clever. But... There have been, in my attempts to advocate for healthy, out-of-character-centered communities first, where they are policed and where shit behavior is crushed immediately, and where people doing things to other players and to other characters without negotiating that point of mutual player-character space, that 
liminal zone between the other person's character being an NPC in your story and the hero of their own or the protagonist. I won't say hero because there are some ass. We all play pretend vampires and vampires are all assholes. Even my nice one that everybody seems to like and thinks is terrible at this game. She's all, she's horrible. She is a monster. Don't let her fool you. Um, but that space I know better. Be, I know you know better. That space needs to be negotiated constantly. And I have brought up comparison and been screamed at about making the comparison. No. It's you, you do something without consent to another person's property or person specifically person. It's assault. It doesn't matter. They're like, you can't sexual assault. It's not the same thing. Not the same as being sexually assaulted, but you have still violated somebody's uh, rights and you have still done harm to what is essentially their intellectual property. People's characters belong to them. You don't have a right to make them do or act um, play according to you, your desires. Now, I'm going to challenge that specifically because in a lot of kind of what are considered blockbuster games, the characters are written by the staff and portrayed by the players. And usually as part of the paperwork that you sign, as you know, like safety waivers and stuff like that, you acknowledge that the characters are in fact their intellectual property and you are just playing them, which basically allows them to run these games over and over and over again. Well, that's um, that's a specialized environment with the documentations and the community management built in. But in most yes. LARPs, that's not how this works. <laughs> There's no waiver that says, here is a case. Now, I would be all fine in big club games. Okay, here is our city. We've set it all up for you. Here you go. We'll deal out sheets. Here's your waiver. You mean like you're doing with hacking? Oh, right like now? I'm doing with a lot of the a lot of the NPCs in my game because there are a couple that are operated by human beings, but they came with the city. And because it's a Discord game, I really hate playing with myself in front of other people Giggity. in front of other people i'm not that kind of exhibitionist it's really boring to play with myself because it's just giant blocks of text of me typing that's not exciting or a dynamic environment i don't get challenged in my npc's perception of things the way she should and uh the player characters that are original to the city my character actually came with the city. It's convenient. I loaned her to a friend who built the city. He needed another character. He said, I need a Toreador. And I said, she's not a Toreador, but I can loan you, blah, blah. He's like, that's perfect. You know she's not a Toreador. That's fine. I've come to find out later. They just put a sticker on her. Said, You're Toreador now. See, we labeled you. It's fine. Didn't change anything else. It's hilarious. But stickers are important. <laughs> stickers are important. Labels matter. But it, it's just funny. Um, and it allowed me to run this game and have some interactions with some people I very much enjoyed and did not get enough of a chance to interact with in another venue. But I would never think to box someone into a corner with their story or not check with another player 
when I'm like, I'm going to do some, some fucked up shit. I apologize for the fucked up shit I'm about to do to you. Is it okay? What is your level of fucked up shit that you're willing to handle? Oh, that's so, okay. so I think a big difference, a big kind of disconnect where this sort of thing happens, especially around consent with a character is specifically when you're involving a very involved character sheet. If you have these numbers that basically tell you the things that you can do well and the things that you don't do well, it abstracts the whole interaction to a point where some players don't actually see the people portraying these characters. They just say, oh, well, my sheet is just interacting with your sheet without forgetting that there is a person playing out the strategy involved with the other sheet there. And that's kind of where you see a lot of the disconnect and a lot of the issues that you see in larger organized games where people are just being absolute shits to other people in in character and out of character just because they feel like their sheet says they can. Yeah, that attitude. And I'm not going to name names, but you all fuckers, you fuckers know who you are. And if you listen to this podcast, yes, I'm calling you out. Fight me. So, um, but that there have attitude. been and and actually yeah oh, the attitude. and actually specifically with yeah. that organization oh yes from a national standpoint they're actually including calibration mechanics allowing people to check in with each other on how things are going in a scene if something is going well they can indicate as such and things can continue if it's not going well or they're not really sure how they feel about it the scene has to pause and those sorts of discussions about okay what is okay with my character what what is okay with the player going through with this character and what is not have to occur specifically for player safety purposes because in a lot of cases we can academically make the separation between a player and a character but our lizard brain doesn't make that distinction no it does terrible that terrible trauma that is happening to your character your lizard brain thinks oh god i am going through something terrible i need to lash out or i need to go hide it is the same kind of, it is literally our brains being fooled into the sort of thing we're trying to simulate or emulate, as it were. It's working, perhaps a little too well. It, it's, they may be characters, they may be masks that we wear, but the, the thing that animates them is our soul, ourselves. So the only way they feel is through us and this is some personal experience time and i'm gonna be okay i promise i'm gonna be okay with this but when you find yourself in a situation that is almost identical to a real life situation you went through and traumatized you badly and no one is listening to you begging them to find a different way to go because you need help walking out of this there's a problem so if that's what's going on in the organization, it was worth it. I'll take, I'll, I'm okay with taking the hit. So no one else has to. So to be clear, steps have been, t- steps have been made in that direction before you even came to the club. It is immensely unfortunate that what happened to you happened as that transition was taking place. And I am very, very sorry that you went through that. You're not the that one. said. You're not the one that who said, needs to apologize. I understand that. I can still feel shitty that that happened to you because you're my friend. I accept that you feel shitty. But 
if I'm one of the last people that has to go through that, that's okay. If I was- You probably won't be the last. The very nature of heavily mechanical games is that people are going to be put in situations where their characters may very well die when the player doesn't necessarily want them to. And the people who are on the other side of whatever conflict that is aren't willing to accept a mediation where that character survives. Then it's a highly competitive, it is a competitive LERP by nature. The problem with that dynamic, if there is no compromise that can be reached, then nothing happened. If you can't mediate a compromise, then kill the scene. It never happened. You stay in your corner, you stay in your corner, you know you two can't play together. This is a fiat to break your involvement. You're both free, go about your business, and then staff has to clean shit up. But it will force people when they're told, no, you don't get to gloat about that thing because you can't play nice with other people. It'll start reinforcing a more, oh, if I, if I want to have this moment, this emotionally satisfying thing, I have to jump through this hoop first. And I have to show I have done everything correctly. Players can be taught. I, I understand that. I still feel like the culture in that particular club, of which I am still a member, is going through some really rough challenges. I don't know if it will get to the point that is ideal for you, but it will definitely be a better place. Hey, I, it will definitely be a better place that is more respectful of player emotions and player trauma. That is a better place in general, and that's all I want. If I got to walk through a shitty place because it wasn't where it needed to be, where that was respected, to add fuel to the fire to get it there, that's fine. I'll take that. I'm probably not going to go back because my brain doesn't know the difference on some level. I couldn't keep a promise to a friend because I couldn't log into the site. I couldn't go to the site. I would, my brain just wouldn't allow that to occur because it went, no, you, no, I'm, it protected me from somewhere that isn't healthy for me. And that's okay. If it works for other people, that's great. If it becomes even better, that's also great. I was there. I did what I needed to do. And I'm walking away. That's fine. I I will never, ever believe that role-playing is competitive. Yeah. If 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 you having to go through crap is, is helping lead towards a better environment, then yeah. I'll, I'll, I understand that. I'll take the hit. I'm probably not going to come back because I can't ethically exist in an environment where community storytelling is seen as a competitive thing, sheets or no sheets. Uh, the sheets, to me, coming from my background, sheets are just a set of conventions by which we're not playing cops and robbers, and all I can think of is that Calvin and Hobbes um, two-panel cartoon. They're playing cowboys, and Calvin goes, pow! You know, to shoot Hobbes, and Hobbes stares at him and goes, kapoing! as the I'm gesturing as the bullet is bouncing off of him. The sheets are just to keep that from happening and being an endless circle of I hit you, no I didn't. They're not the purpose. And I can't exist ethically or intellectually in an environment where that's not the core understanding. And that is absolutely okay. I think you personally would have a really good time with some of these blockbuster LARPs. Unfortunately, those blockbuster LARPs tend to have a really big price tag because we're competing with the wedding industry, at least here in the United States, for any sort of space. For example, 
I went to Armistice Arcane back in January. It was a lovely event. I had an amazing time. It was all consent-based. People had things that they could do, and people could, and the target of that base of whatever powers basically got to interpret how that power affected their character. And it had people who were willing to play to lose, basically, basically not have their character win all the time and suffer setbacks. But it was a $900 ticket, which included a hotel stay for the, for the duration of the LERP. It included food. It included paying the writers. Okay. Well, then that's not so bad. yeah, Yeah. There are a lot of different costs involved. You absolutely get what you pay for as far as quality is concerned, and the quality was top-notch. That said, not everybody can afford that. The only reason I was able to afford that is because they have payment plans, and I'm on a payment plan to go to the the next one, which is in, going to be in January, and I'm looking forward to it immensely, even though it is like 10 months away. That's okay. And yeah, that kind of mechanic and that mindset that you mentioned the I don't have to win all the time. That's not a healthy mindset. If you are LARPing and that's your mindset, check yourself because winning all the time doesn't necessarily mean winning. It's counterintuitive, but I keep refer I keep going back to my my every quest two days because that's where the bulk of my RP life has occurred. Uh, there's a guild was a guild called Demos. We my character you really made fun of them regularly because that was the name of course. Um, so there was a running joke there. Um, I was good friends with their guild leader. Their guild leader had an alt in my guild. So we were that level of friendly. We talked all the time. We shot the shit. And they're like, can we do this thing? Can we be rivals? I'm like, okay. Because it just sort of organically arose that Moonshadows and Demos were rivals because Moonshadows wants stability so that they can be evil in peace and smuggle and lie and cheat and steal and generally not get caught. It's easier to do when things are chill rather than everything in chaos and everybody's paranoid. Yes, I'm getting to that part, honey. Um, Also in the studio with us, but being very well behaved is my husband who just got to the punchline of the story. Um, He said, can we be rivals? I said, yes, this is great. Um, They wanted chaos. We wanted order. It's perfect setup for two evil teams. Um, they attacked our stronghold. We lost. My guild lost. We oh, we we lost really badly. Um, they ran an airship into our into our fort. Things were on fire. The note my husband held up said, "I took a flaming airship to the chest because he did, and he was dead for a little while." It's a world with magic. You you don't stay dead long. Um, <laughs> He got better. Unlike Eris, Phoenix Downs work. Um, it's a Final Fantasy VII reference. It's like, I don't understand why Eris is still dead. They're the Phoenix Down, and the, pink, the girl in the pink dress lives for the rest of the game. It was a really weird mechanic. Um, that made no sense in World. But, yeah, um, he did. He got over it, but it took him a while, and it was very traumatic to my player, who was soul-bound to him. So when his soul tried to leave, it jerked her out of her body. And so she spent a couple of days screwed up. We had to rebuild the fortress. People died. The leadership of the guild was gone for a while. 
and the officers had to figure out how to handle shit. It was great. It was one of the best times I've ever had. And I lost. That's what communication can do. So I want to bring it back a little bit less off of the LARP aspect and more onto the feminism aspect. Renee, um, as you are a woman that works in the gaming field as a freelancer and with other industries, um, what do you see would be needed for more, more involvement in the industry for more representation within the genders that want to get into the field from your perspective? Men, stop being shit heels. That's a real simple answer. I'm not kidding. It, yeah, I second um, from game store employee perspective. Yeah, stop. You can't get women to... The, Go ahead. Sorry. The hobby itself still has a whole lot of men and it still has a whole shit ton of white people. The way we can get more of these underserved populations involved in our hobby is to stop being shit heels to them. This is a very, very deliberate reason why I made sure that there was heavy representation from the LGBTQ community, specifically in my write-up for satyrs for the beta slice for Changeling. There's, in fact, a secret society called the Legendary Children, straight out of Paris's burning. Not really giving a shit if you're seely or unseely or whatever gender you put forward. As long as you look good and you dance, you are welcome. And that's more... That is a synthesis. That is, it's it's kind of lumping together the ball scene from New York City in the 1970s and the club kid scene from the 1990s. But that was where these marginalized kids got together and created a sense of community. And I wanted to see that represented in our game. It absolutely should be the other things. Other things that these uh, presumably straight white males can do to not be shit heels is think about your characters as you're making them for five seconds. Don't design a character based on tropes and stereotypes. Just don't. Go to TV tropes. Find the negative ones. If you discover your character hits five minimum at you know five or more of the negative tropes start over your character is shitty and you're going to drive people away don't use don't use mental health stereotypes as you know a a, a throwaway um in this game we had a character in my game we had a character who was wrestling with gender identity issues and was a malkavian but that wasn't the derangement, and that was the only way I was going to let any character like that fly, is because your gender identity is not a punchline, and neither is anybody else's. And gender identity outside of what society assumes your gender identity is based on what your body looks like is not mental illness either. No, nor should it ever be allowed to be treated that way. Gaming-related side note on this. One of the canon NPCs... And Vampire the Masquerade is Celeste. Celeste is a trans daughter of Cacophony. The original treatment of Celeste used the wrong pronouns and basically treated it as a weird edge case. When, for Mind's Eye Society, I helped write the setting guide specifically for the Daughters of Cacophony for their chronicle, 
I made sure to include her appropriate pronouns and looking at the trends of gender identity and how it's being expressed now. In that game, at least, she is one of the biggest proponents for having a decidedly gender neutral term for the bloodline as a whole, cacophonous as opposed to Daughters of Cacophony or Sons of Discord, which were a fan creation, but then made it into canon somehow. And that is a rant for another day. But ultimately, she got the short end of the stick in the canon, and I did not want to see that happen again. That's because, one, this entire game world was written by people who thought they were oppressed and they're not. I mean, edgelords are never actually victims. Sorry, you're just assholes. Um, And we've come so far that we can make these corrections and that they should be made and there shouldn't be any pushback. It should just be, yes, this is how this is, should have been written. I fixed it now. This is how it's going to be going forward because this is how it needs to be. And here's the historical research backing up based on the period this person is from. This is how they would have behaved. This is how they presented themselves. This is truth and we have to include the whole of it. And Celeste being treated correctly is a baby step. It's a tiny step in a tiny corner, but it's a huge deal. And something else that I saw recently that is really freaking amazing. Uh, Cavaliers of Mars by Rose Bailey, who is an amazing human being and I adore her to death. On the cover is one of basically kind of her main signature characters for the game, who is a non- passing trans woman yes i love that and just just think about moving to a point where we don't use words like that anymore because we've divorced ourselves from manufacturers manufactured ideas of what women look like because that's exciting because again this goes all the way back to the top of the hour or the top of the show in more than an hour, hasn't it? Um, and representation mattering. That's one book and one book cover. But some nerd in some game store somewhere is going to look at the cover and go, ooh, shiny art, and see themselves. Yep. And they're going to feel included. And that matters so much. And you see it in role-playing games. You see it in comic books and movies, as we were just discussing earlier. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, just even going back to the Ghostbusters reboot and how much people put up a stink because the whole squad was women and how that uproar and that false outrage has literally been drowned by the immense success and more and more of these movies and media properties where women are taking charge and being leaders and being heroes and just seeing it take off. Yeah. We haven't even talked this about this I know, right? Oh my right. god, I fucking love the new Shira. I, I, I like devoured it. it in like two nights. It was like gone in a weekend. I haven't watched it yet because I don't watch anything but murder shows. I am a dark, I am a grim bitch. Um, watch it, oh my god. I, I'll add it to the list of things I will plan to watch someday when they take Forensic Files off of Netflix. Um, but I'm also freaking out in about other words, never. I'd, I'm also freaking out about American Gods, but we'll freak out about Shira for two seconds um, before we freak out about. I freak out about Orlando Jones, and um, but angry gets shit done. Angry gets <laughs> shit done. Um, but the outrage at how 
Shira was drawn from guys was hilarious. Right? Oh my lord. Uh, So 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 many so many boy tears. I just wanted to like bathe in them. It was great. But sure, (laughs) you take a look at these costume designs from previous decades, like 70s, 80s, like going all the way back to the like even the 1930s you see a lot of these costumes that are just simply not practical if you actually want a woman to be able to do something and fight and the shift for these character redesigns to actually allow for something more practical in combat oh my god it is a glorious thing i i I died of of joy when i saw these shorts as part of shira's outfit because i and one of those keen sufferers of chub rub, much like much of the female population. Yes. When I run. Yes. My thighs are so into each other, I have to keep them separated. I'm a goddamn mermaid most of the time. Okay, we're going to pause here just because my husband needs to rant for a second. Yes, honey. That's exactly what they're getting bent about. She doesn't have tits and isn't in a bikini anymore or a swimsuit. That's their problem. I know she looks amazing. There's facial expressions going on. Um, but he didn't realize that there was a new Shira out. And now he knows. And now he's losing his mind. Because she looks amazing. And she's fucking 15, isn't she? About. Yeah. She looks- she's, she's, a, she's a young teenager. Yeah. She looks exactly the way she should. And the fact that there are people that you and I know and grew up with that sexualized her in the original canon. She's the same fucking age is horrifying that toy company from toy companies to human beings we know saw that and thought yes that is an appropriate thing is there were similar critiques about ray's appearance in star wars she's not pretty oh fucking gwendolyn christie's goddamn armor i have captain lord that's gorgeous i have captain phasma figurines simply because that's practical armor on a woman and i lose and i fucking dance every time i see the picture staying alive is gender neutral yep uh, it, i mean you're a dude so you do explain things to people baby uh, from the uh from the cheap seats is that i would have just explained that she had boobs they're just impractical armor um i ran it on the facebook page about the fact that boob cops just drive the point of the weapon because into your chest, especially in a fantasy setting, boob armor will kill you. Yep. Boob armor will kill you. It'll put that, if, if you're jousting in boob armor or fighting on the ground, it'll you're giving them a channel that says, hit me here, and it'll crumple, or it'll crush your tit, and that's fucking painful, and trauma you don't need to have to deal with. Armor's designed As someone to- with very, very, very large breasts, I, no! Please don't. Yeah, it's just boob armor is designed by guys because they don't understand that women don't have to be sexy all the time. My old man. I'm sorry, I think she looks amazing. That's why we all need feminism. Because Aurora looks amazing as an empowered teenager the way she was written. And I'm sure if they... And not to sell Barbie dolls. It wasn't even to sell Barbie dolls! Barbie doll was originally a sex doll! Also, Barbie was originally a sex doll. Yes. Mm. Well, to ca- 
yet to capture the other half of the market for He-Man. But everybody, but she was designed like a boy's toy. I I use these terms very eighties. There's quotation marks. They can't hear you, honey. Okay. More spouse ranting. More spouse ranting. But it's a good point, so I'm going to share it because nobody can pick up on this ranting. The cartoon was made to draw in a girl, in quotes, audience. But the toy line for Shira was designed to complement He-Man and action toys weren't girly. And so the Shira dolls designed the same way the He-Man dolls were for the boy market that doesn't actually exist. Um, except capitalism says it does. It's the only reason there are boys and girls toys. Um, marketing. So, yeah. Here's a, here's another little thing to make you angry about our childhoods. Remember Spirograph? Yes, I loved that. There's only a boy on the package now. The fuck? <laughs> okay, that was so loud it came through my headset and echoed through the office. Yeah, I heard that one. I heard that one too. The neighbor, the neighborhood heard you yell, the fuck. That's how loud you were. But yes, they took the girl off the package. Not Okay. Crafts are gender neutral. Dolls are gender neutral. All this shit exists. A certain category of toys are all gender neutral. We're talking in the context of children's toys. Some toys, you kind of need a couple of different parts to make work. But those are sex toys and different. If, <laughs> if, if your toys are meant to deal with various types of genitalia... Then they're not for children. Yes. And even then, toys dealing with certain types of gender, different types of genitalia, are ne not necessarily gender related either. Gender is not what's in your pants. Doom is. In I your mean, pants. there's probably a cat in my pants right now because they love to sleep on the laundry. Um, I'm not wearing any pants. <sighs> I have a skirt on, but skirts are gender neutral too. Clothing is gender neutral. All oh, the shit is gender neutral. Yep. Gender exists to sell shit to us as a, as a societal construct. It really does in the modern era. It exists as a marketing tool. And I want the listeners, because we're ranting about He-Man toys and boys' toys and girls' toys and all of that. I want all of you who listen to go to your Target. I'd say go to Toys R Us, but they're closed um, forever. But go to Target. Go to Walmart. Go to Meijer. Go to anywhere with toy aisle. I don't know what you got where you live. I live in Ohio. And we don't have everything cool. But walk the aisles. Look at where the Star Wars toys are versus other toys. Look at where the film, the more film accurate Rey and Jin Erso and Princess Leia and General Ghana and all that. Look at where those toys are versus uh, super deformed. I'm using that as an art style, like a Disney, more like a Disney princess doll, you know, with the wider eyes, the soft face, the tiny body, that, look at where the toys are, and you can see that even now, even with how much we love Ray, and how much we love Black Widow, and Wonder Woman, and Captain Marvel, look for these women, notice what aisle they're in. 
Notice the color of the packaging. I'll tell you the answer next time we record. <laughs> um, but it's a fairly obvious, but it's really frustrating because I... All right. Mm -hmm. Now, before we work, we're, we've been recording for a bit. Um, I just wanted, before we go through, I'd like to ask Renee if there's anything specifically that she would like to bring up. I'm going to need a moment. I'm currently filled with righteous anger. Don't mind me. Righteous anger is perfectly acceptable on this podcast. Let it flow. Let it flow through you. Master it. Harness it. That was little, You're adorable. A little sithy of me. Aggregate shit done. Oh. I didn't mention, I didn't squeal about American Gods and how amazing most of the primary cast being of color and Bilquis, yes. the goddess of love. Oh my god, so pretty. I love it. Have you seen episode two, episode one of season two? No, but I've read the book and I can extrapolate from having seen the entirety of season one. But I'm probably going to be, as soon as we finish recording, going to watch that episode because I have stars as part of my Amazon Prime membership. Yes, good. And then we can squeal about it together. Um, yes. But Bilquist doesn't care what you what your identity is. If you pretty, she'll hit that. And there's no weirdness about it. And there's no, like performative drawing attention to it. In season one, as she's escaping Tehran, she's with a woman. And that woman dies of AIDS. And that's heartbreaking. That's a huge story, is that this woman of color, this, this African woman, this beautiful woman, um, this goddess, has to watch people who love basically die of her gifts, which is, you know, love and passion and all of that because they weren't recognized as people. And just the way her story is told, um, it's a nice little transitional moment in season one um, to whatever you are bringing your rage down to bring up. Watching her transition come, she's sort of a bits of everything we've talked about the marginalization of sex work, the marginalization of people, of uh, sexual identity and sexual orientation. And because she goes from being a powerful goddess to a homeless woman on the street who is in desperate need of medical care. And that, yes. and that story is told to, we watch her story unfold, but behind it, you have Orlando Jones as Anansi doing the narration. And it is this, powerful i will i will i will watch that pretty much as soon as we get off here okay it, the the uh, the uh, bilquist story happens in season one it's the you need yeah. a queen but the in yeah. season two she's at the house on the rock and she is yeah. amazing and mama g is in there and I oh almost, yes i almost cried i had a feeling i've seen i've seen it from the trailer and i am looking forward to it immensely but anyways the thing i've been trying to come down into from this blinding rage that many of the people listening may not even realize is something that is inherent to pretty much every woman who is fully aware of how she has been treated throughout history what you see now in the world is put into some little box of man or woman or God, anything really. So much of it is specifically marketing tactics. So much of it 
even down to fucking razors, is to charge more money because it's supposed to be some sort of specialized product just for her. That's fucking bullshit. If you if you were born as a man, if you were signed male at birth, and you like feminine things, like feminine things, rock that shit out. Absolutely. If you were assigned male at birth, but you're not a man, don't be a man. If you were assigned female at birth and you like masculine things, like masculine things, like feminine things, like whatever the fuck you want. The people who are trying to tell you that that is no longer okay or that is somehow wrong or sinful are people who aren't willing to think outside of these little boxes that we've been building ourselves for the entirety of history. And that history is changing. It's changing faster than it ever has before. The best thing that we can all do as a species is to adapt and to accept and to welcome each other and to not treat each other like shit. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I wasn't out of that whole righteous anger thing yet. No, no, it's okay. I don't know if I ever will be. No, if we stop being angry gets shit done. I I don't have Orlando Jones power um, because I can't. You have your own power and that is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, but I can't get into the More so. Oh, the Bic for fuck this pen! Oh, Bic for her! What the fuck does that even mean? Look at the price tag that the the seller is selling it for. What is it? Thirty bucks? Twenty nine ninety nine. Thirty dollars for two fucking pens. They better goddamn vibrate and give me the best orgasm of my life. Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's the only way. It's for her. <sighs> I'm sorry. That's the first thing I think of whenever I think of the pink tax. Is when Bic went through and created Bic for her. It's like it's a fucking pen. What is this fashion ink bullshit? <laughs> See, this is the quality shit posting people come to the podcast for. Is this anger? Yeah, I'd, thirty bucks. It better fucking do some shit that's not writing. I'm I'm seriously hoping this is because this whole thing was discontinued because they realized it was a poor marketing choice. Is is that a direct? Can I order that direct from Beck, or is that a secondary market? Oh, that's a secondary that is a reseller. Okay. Yeah, I think they stopped. I think they discontinued it. Because Thank of God. Okay, here's one for fifteen ninety nine. But still, I mean, one's pink and one's purple, and none of them indicate that they are going to give me the sort of soul dispatching orgasm that this one toy that's been floating around on my Facebook feed will give you. I forget what it's called, but the reviews are hilarious. If I can find it, we'll put it in the show notes. Warning: Not safe for work. You will die reading them. I almost peed myself laughing. Uh, oh, yeah, the regular Amazon Prime ones are fifteen ninety nine. yes. Wait, what? The Big For Her retractable ballpoint pens are still fifteen ninety nine on Amazon. There you go, Renee. It says buy Bic. Uh, that also sells um, a whole bunch of other Bic products. Free delivery by Thursday. But like the Bic Soleil Color Collection Women's Disposable Razors. Three blade, God eight count. fucking damn it. Nine bucks. 
Oh, they've also got some other bullshit things in here. It might not be. They're not available on the big website, so everything is secondary market. Well, the link I just went through was direct from. Oh, Amazon, there are so. they, there are refills. They may be direct. They're, they may be what directly from put? Bic, but just because they're trying to offload it at this point, or maybe they realized, oh shit, this I, is a discontinued item now, so we can mark it up. <laughs> I can get. Here's the thing, I can get a uh, assorted pack, an eight pack of Bic Gelosity pens that include a pink one and a purple one for six seventy eight. You you want to know the best thing about the link I just posted? Which I will post just for uh, on the podcast notes. That's also an Amazon's choice pen. Oh my god. Amazon, made for poor life choices. Amazon's choice recommends highly rated, well-priced products available to ship uh, $16 for two pens. And the other thing that kills me is all of the Dollar Shave Club, which is marketed toward dudes. Dudes, are, it's easy. They send you the fucking razors, blah, 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 whatever. And they're like, no, we don't care. Oh, uh, if, if you're women... I'm like, I can get, I, I inherited my grandfather's safety razor handle. The blades are like 10 for five bucks. They last forever. And they give me the best shave ever. I'm done playing any of these fucking games. <laughs> I'm going to buy it. To be fair, I, I am in fact a Dollar Shave Club member, but I also don't order it every single month because I am not a Wookiee. <laughs> eh, it's gotten thinner over time. I don't particularly shave at all. Um, ever. I don't show bits of myself to anyone ever. I and my husband doesn't care. I shave once per year. Um, I did have a positive interaction with a men's product this week or this past seven days. It was lovely. Um, it is a if I can find the website because I was very excited by the smells. I might not be able to find them, but their smells were like amber something and bergamot pepper and i was like one those fragrances are you know those are exactly uh fragrances i would wear um and it was you know it was basically they were saying these are uniquely masculine i said my dudes these are fragrances i would wear and do wear oh it's amber sandalwood which are classic yeah the like deodorant it's amber sandalwood how fucking boss is that i'll find the the link it's duke and something and they do nice things for veterans and good for them um but the page whoever's their social media manager responded to me and said welcome aboard we'll be happy to have you which was awesome because the marketing department went those are dollars and i would like them if, if you have dollars that belong to me give them to me the second post was from a guy i bet you voted for hillary too haven't heard anything from this and? I haven't heard anything from this Fred this 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 response anymore because either they cleaned it up or he was super shut down to the point where he ran away forever um I said what the fuck does my voting record have to do with the fact that these are classic fragrances that have been in use in men's and women's perfume since forever is your masculinity really that fragile and it was lovely but it was very nice instead of this quiet removal of the con of, of my original comment about the hey you're you're not exclusively masculine you're you're exclusively masculine scents aren't and that's okay which was my my intent was uh accepted and acknowledged by the company as totally okay yeah you're a girl-shaped person who likes our products 
please buy our stuff. And uh, that's, we don't get that um, very often in traditional marketing. So that's a girl's thing. Why are you buying a girl thing? Why are you buying a boy thing? But it's been nice to see um, body care and makeup marketing differently. I don't know if you saw over Christmas because you were busy and I watch a ton of TV during the day and you don't. Um, but Ulta had the most beautiful boy presenting boy in their Christmas television ad. I mean, the makeup was flawless. Yeah. Oh my God. He's beautiful. And that made me happy. Uh, ColourPop um, partnered with a gentleman identifying person for a two palette collection or a collection that has uh, their lit and their wet collection. Um, But that they're recognizing that you know, we could make a ton more money if we smashed old marketing stereotypes. I want to say, let's end it. That sounds like a positive note to end things on. I mean, that's much better than the simmering rage, yeah. I would like to thank Renee for being with us. Renee, is there anything that you'd like to plug before we head off? So, as a matter of fact, there is. Um, for those who are LARP and Changely Dreaming inclined, the Mind's Eye theater changing the dreaming beta slice is now available for free on storytellers vault also for those of you who really like ancient rome mighty narwhal productions will be releasing tickets available for sale on the ides of march for mystical rome which is a, an alternative history roman larp that will be in washington in september tickets available friday I want to thank you once again for joining us. Uh, we still don't have an outro. So, my name is Bill. And I'm Noelle, and we all have an X chromosome. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.